0: A lot of different things going on here tonight. Obviously, it's Christmas Eve, and, and kids are with us. They're not some of you, some of the of you kids who are with us who are not normally with us. We're glad you're here. We really are. And so, um, for those of us who are a little older, and you hear somebody kind of whimper or kind of jostling around, don't worry about it. Just smile at them, and uh, it's. I think it's kind. I think it's kind of cool, especially on Christmas Eve. We had, I had. I had a baby one year that, that cried on cue, and and uh, when I talk about Jesus and, and the manger. Wah! You know, it'd be great, but that was a special little baby. So we, we, we just, we can't, we can't ask for that every time. But anyway, just want to make you aware of that, all of us, and, and uh, we're really, really glad to have all the, all the kids with us. Galatians chapter four says this, it's one part of one verse. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman. When the set time had come, another Bible translation reads, when the fullness of time came. So before we go to Luke chapter 2 and read that first Christmas night, Christmas Eve night, um, what does that mean? That's an interesting statement, the, the fullness of time. Here's the thing. This was the first time in history. And God engineered it just so with all the prophecies of the Old Testament and so forth. This was the first time in history that a few things had happened which made it just the perfect time for Jesus to come to earth. For one, um, we, we call it, uh, Roman civilization, call it the, the Latin term, Pax Romana, which means there was peace for the first time in history. Obviously, there's, there's wars and rumors of wars and so forth and so forth throughout the history. But for the first time, people could truly travel from country to country thanks to the Roman Empire and the influence and civilization of the Roman Empire. And that, of course, would be key to the spreading of the gospel. So, that's, that's the, fir- so the fullness of times, first time, we have peace throughout the basically known world at that time. Again, thanks to the, uh, this, the influence of the Roman Empire. Another thing, they, for the first time, have a, a, a road system that, go f- that goes from country to country, really from continent to continent. Again, we're talking about a small area of the world, but it was the, all, all the known world at that time. And they have a road system. We look back on those, some of those roads, if you've ever been to Israel or even, even some other of those uh, near Eastern, far Eastern, whatever, some of those European countries, even what used to be their roads, uh, we look at them, they're very primitive. Keep in mind, for them, they were terrific, you know? All of a sudden, there's not, you know, there's not trees in the middle of everywhere. There's a road where I can go from one country to another, and even from Asia to Egypt, from Egypt to Asia to Europe, um, uh, just a pretty amazing thing for those folks. That's part of the fullness of the times. Also, the third thing was they had what, again, Latin term, thought I'd give you a little Latin here on Christmas Eve. It's just sort of, just feels like it should go together, right? Um, lingua Franca is the Latin term, and by that I mean this. This was because of Greek civilization. There was a common tongue. It may not be your mother tongue, but there was a common language in which you could communicate with others. That was what we call Koine Greek. I learned Greek in college, and the first time I went out, and we, I was in, that was near Birmingham, Alabama, and the first time... That I went out and they have a bunch of little hot dog stands all run by a bunch of Greek guys and um, I tried I tried out my some of my Greek on some of those guys. They were like, "What is wrong with you?" It was kind it's kind of like speaking Beowulf English today. Okay, I mean t- to those guys, it was it was just a it's a different kind of Koine Greek is a very precise language. That was the language, the common language of all the peoples because of uh, the influence of the Greek civilization in the Roman Empire. So, small coincidences, maybe, but I don't think so. Fullness of times came. God sent his son, Jesus. Now we go to Luke chapter 2. And let me just pick it up. That story that that, that could be very familiar to some of you, maybe not all of you, and that's fine. If this is the first time you've ever read this, I am honored to be the one doing that with you. Uh, Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken for the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius, Quirinius I can never say that name. Um, the Q and the U messed me up, but anyway. Why uh, Q was governor of Syria, right? Everyone went to their own town to register. We're not sure. Some scholars say that. Um, Caesar Augustus was just trying to flex his muscle here and show how a great kingdom he had. Um, others believe it was just really for one purpose, which seems even more logical for the purpose of taxing uh, uh, Israel, for the purpose of getting more money out of them. And uh, for whatever the reason it happened, it happened, I believe, because it was prophesied about in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Well, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David. People who know geography read that and they say, "Joseph, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth into, in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem." And there I say, "See there, the Bible's wrong again." I'm like, "Why?" Well, because you don't go up from Nazareth to. Yeah, and they're true. Nazareth is up here, and Bethlehem's down here. But Bethlehem, just outside of uh, Jerusalem, it, everything's up to Jerusalem. Anywhere you go, because it's on a, it's on a big mountain. So that's, that's what the Bible's talking about. Everything, if you go to Jerusalem, you're going up. And Bethlehem was very close to, to Jerusalem. So anyway, a little, little trivia thing there you can use on your next... Uh, I use it Christmas Eve. If you go to dinner with somebody that wasn't here, throw that out, man. That's a great thing. Throw it out there and say, hey, what do you think about this? Yeah. Anyway, that would be a pretty boring Christmas Eve dinner, let me tell you. Anyway, <laughs> never mind. Let's, let's keep going here, because this is a great story. Uh, Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea and to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he, longed, excuse me, he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them cloths, of course, with the swaddling clothes, in some translations. No guest room available for them. If you understand the culture, these homes were, this isn't a very good correlation, but it's the best I can do, some, something like a split-level home, where you would walk into, you know, it was built on a little hill, you'd walk into the living room, which is the only room they had, and then sort of beneath that, there'd be another, uh, there'd be a little, Ceiling there where people would sleep, but underneath that would be the barn. Basically, it's all part of the same building. And 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 here's the deal: you say so. So essentially, animals were in your house. Yes, we're talking about an agrarian society. Their animals were very important to them. I mean, it helped them make a living, helped them survive. So they they wanted in the warmth as well of whatever warmth they could provide, which wasn't a lot, of course. But that's the kind of thing they were. So so. Mary and, 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 and Joseph and, and baby Jesus at that point are really in the barn level of this house because there's no place else for. And, uh, that's, and they literally used a hay manger to, for, his, for his bed. And uh, that's what happened. Now, side events going on at that point. Verse eight, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, watching over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Of course they would be. the angel said to them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So, I mean, put yourself in the place of the shepherds for a moment. They're like, whoa. An angel of the Lord appears to them, wow. What? I mean, here you are, you're half asleep. You're watching a bunch of stinking, stupid sheep, and they are both that. I've had, I was raised in a farm. I know what sheep look like and smell like, and they're stupid. And, um, I mean, they really are. I mean, just a bit that, that neither here nor there, they're just, they're just sheep. And here they are. You don't have to do a whole lot to take care of them. They just sort of, you know, they, you can see these shepherds just sort of leaning up against their staffs, probably talking about whatever's going on. And, hey, what's going on? I don't know, Izzy, what's going on with you? And all of a sudden, boom. An angel just, I don't know, hey. And they're like, now these, probably, these guys probably went to Hebrew school or, or whatever, and they, they kind of know a little bit loosely about the prophets and, and, and that there was a Messiah that, that was prophesied to come. And they're like, why oh, is he? This is it. This is it, man. Yeah. You know, so they're, they're blown away. But then what, look what happens next. I love this part. This, this had to just put them over the top. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host, angels, appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those, love this next line, on whom his favor rests. Who's that? That's me. That's you. Upon whom God's favor rests. Love that. Never get tired of hearing that. All of a sudden, these guys, wow, boom, boom, boom. Here's this Angelic choir singing the Hallelujah Chorus. Wow, boom. Amazing stuff. And these guys are sitting here. I mean, you can just, poor shepherd guy's like, golly. And, and somewhere in there, I imagine some of them register registered because, because some of them knew, not all. Wow, this is it. It's the Messiah. This is it. This is it. We're living it. We're seeing it. Amazing. Well, verse 15, when the angels had left them, and going into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who, who, all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had t- said to them. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. Which, which were just as they had been told. There it is. They're like, wow. And they're going back, and, and I want to tell you, that, that, that had to be a, a band of merry men right there. There were some guys pretty, hey, wow. We just saw the Messiah, the one who we've been reading about back there in the book of Micah and the book of Isaiah, back there in the Old Testament. They didn't call it an Old Testament, but that, that's what we would call it today. We just saw him. Wow, this is great. The Messiah is here. Now they had they had some, some expectations as to what the Messiah might be doing and some stuff that they would have to later on adjust. But what an event this was for these guys, these shepherds, and how all of a sudden what do they do? They respond by 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 telling others and by living a you know just joyful. So two things here I want to get out of this two just very simple things that I uh, I want you to the first one is this: you are the recipient of God's favor. If you think of nothing else at Christmas time I want you to think about that that when that when that verse says glory to god in the highest heaven on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests god loves you more than you can possibly imagine and he he came and sent his son to earth so that you could have access to god so that you could have a relationship with your creator don't forget that pretty basic 101 but don't forget that we need to be reminded of that over and over and over again. God sent his son to earth so that we could have access to God, thus a relationship with God, but also that we could, so that we could have forgiveness of our sins, of which we needed. I'll speak for myself on that one. But for all, we needed badly. God sent his son Jesus to earth, not only that we could have access to God, not only that we could have forgiveness for sins, but that we would have eternal life. And he provides that, and that's the hope that he gives us as we understand who Christ is. So, so the first thing I want you to walk away with is, I am, for some humbling, unknown reason, known only to God, the recipient of his amazing love. Second thing, how are you going to respond to that? How are you going to respond to that? Well, you know what the, we know what the shepherds did. The shepherds, they immediately ran to see Jesus, and then they ran and they left and started telling everybody about Jesus. It affected their lives. Um, the question really come, then comes down to me is what will be my response, not just one time, but what will be my response to, to, an, to an understanding of the love that God has for me? How am I going to handle that? What am I going to do with that? How's that going to work in my life? might be a simple way. It might be a big way. I'll tell you I was thinking about this. I was really contemplating this today. Took a little walk in the nice, uh, nice breeze, you know, a nice balmy breeze outside there and enjoying the sunshine and nice little breeze. And um, people, it was cold out there, okay, just so you know. Anyway, but no, seriously, I was taking a little walk just thinking about this. and, I, and I, It occurred to me, I, I got inspired. I, I remembered a, an old, old friend of mine who's now, now with the Lord, his name is, and, I, and I, he was at the first church. So here, here, before I go into that, let me just say this. I um, got ahead of myself just a little bit. It inspired in me that, that, that creative bone that, that's, that's there somewhere deep inside, or maybe tissue is more like the term. Um, and uh, I said, you know, I need to write a poem. I've done that one other time. If you weren't here, those of you who come regularly, it was back last summer. I, did, I wrote a poem on David and Bathsheba. It was, you remember, that was a great poem. That was just a great poem. That was just amazing. Anyway, uh, if you want that, I'll be happy to share it with you. But anyway, it might be published by now. I can't remember. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, um, I was was inspired to write a poem about my friend Azel. Now, Azel, before I read you the poem, I got to tell you a little background because the poem won't make any sense if I don't tell you about Azel. Azel was in the first church that I pastored Back in Birmingham, Alabama, Roll Tide. And uh, it was one of those, it's one of those instinctive things, you can't say Alabama Roll Tide without, it just, just, it's it's intuition, you can't help it. But anyway, um, it was that first church, and uh, sorry, I got other SEC people who aren't happy right now. I just became pastor, I'm 27 years old, just, I mean months, six months out of school, my degree in theology. Which arguably, well, not arguably, which is too young and not inexperienced, not whatever. It, 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 for some reason, they asked. I accepted, and it was it was terrific. So they announced me on pastor. And the first one of the first guys come up to me. His guy's name is Azel. Isn't that a good southern name? Azel. Isn't that a great name? Anyway, Azel comes up to me and he says, "Pastor, pastor." First time ever, anybody ever called me pastor. You know, and I'm like, I'm like 27. I'm still trying to you know figure out where I'm in life and. Uh, Pastor, pastor, he says, I, I, I want to help, I want to help, I want to help. And I'm like, what do you need? I'm like, I, I don't really need anything. But th- Oh, no, you need something. I, I can help. I'm retired. I can do stuff. I can build. I, can, and I said, well, I do this one thing. And th- at that time, this was before, obviously, we're talking 1970s, 19, gee, whatever. And, uh, and I, I didn't have software that we have now. I didn't have iPads. You know, you just, you just used books. And, and I, what I would do when I would study for a message is I would just, I'd prop up my Bible here, then I'd prop up a, a, a concordance over here, then I'd, I'd prop up a commentary here, another commentary, just so I could have it all around me, so I have a panoramic view, you know, and I wouldn't have to just pick up books and, and make a mess. I said, well, you know, I guess if you can do anything, I'd oh, I, I need some, some book props so I could put those books on. Oh, I can do that the next morning i promise you i don't know what time it was it could have been 5 a.m. it could have been 7 a.m. i don't know but that was back in the days when i took mondays off and it was back in the days when i could sleep which is an amazing thing and uh i mean wakes me up of a dead sleep at 6 or 7 in the morning oh pastor where are you i'm over at the church right now looking for i need to, to build these things for you and i was just like wow this guy is enthusiastic you know so anyway, to make a long story short, which is a little, little late for that right now, um, to make a, he, uh, he comes and does that for me. It's just really great. So I thought about this on my little walk today, and I came back, and I decided I was going to write a poem called The Ballad of Azel. This is some good stuff here. And I thought, you know, Christmas Eve, you know, serving Jesus, this, this is a great thing. So, and kids will be here. They like poetry. They need, they need to be exposed to the culture and stuff. So here we go. The Ballad of Azel. He was a simple man, retired and old. There was no Wall Street or 401ks in his fold. Yet his spirit was simple and generous. We're told, what can I bring to the king? He couldn't speak well, give much, or even sing. But what talents he had, he desired to bring. Carpentry was his skill, though only a hobby. The new young pastor needed book props so as not to teach folly. Azel, quick with a hammer and saw, and so jolly, excited and eager so much was he that he awoke the young reverend the next morning most early. What can I start, when can I start building this gift, was his query, for I'm anxious to give my skill and my bounty. It's all part of serving the king in my journey. Hey, y'all. Don't clap. That's okay. That's okay. Don't do that. Don't do that. Came from over here somewhere. Um, Hey, listen, let me just tell you this. Uh, The point is, and it's taken way too long to get there. um, I don't care who you are. I don't care what you got. I don't care what you don't got. I don't care how rich or poor, how talented or non-talented. How are you going to respond to the message of the living Christ? Whether you can bring carpentry skills, to help some poor idiot pastor or whether you can serve people in some other capacity whether that be giving money whether that be bringing my skills and my talents to help in some other some other way whether that be simply in living my life out in a way of grace and gratitude responding to almighty god it all counts and that's what the that's the message of christmas Understanding the coming of Christ and responding with a life that honors who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. It's amazing. That's the message right there. My prayer for you as you you celebrate Christmas and Christmas Eve this year, my prayer for you is that you'll stop and you'll think and then you'll reflect and you'll just take the message. You know, how can I live in such a way that's going to honor Christ? The King of Kings, Jesus, who came to earth as a baby, lived, suffered, died, and rose again to give me life eternally and abundantly. Let's pray together. And as we get ready to pray, we're going to get the band to come back up and sing a song that I think will really, even more so, make this message more clear, talking about Emmanuel. God is with us. As they come, let me pray. Lord God, we are humbled and in awe and extremely grateful for the message of Jesus. And whether it be in simple ways, like my friend Azel wanted to do just to serve you in any way he could, or whether it be in what some might perceive as bigger ways, we know that it, in your view, it's all good and it all counts. And we thank you for that. And we thank you for the love and the grace. The forgiveness, the redemption that comes in trusting this almighty God, Jesus. And we celebrate that tonight. We thank you for that. And we give you the, all, the, all the thanks in the world as we think about you being Emmanuel. God is with us. Amazing. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.